You're listening to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow, and I'm so grateful that you're here. This podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional, and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we'll be diving deeply into topics that keep you inspired and at your best. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Before I introduce today's guests, I want to ask a favor. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to, subscribe and leave a rating and review. It would really help us out. It helps us share our messages with as many people as we can, and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people too. So thank you. Okay, the title of today's episode is Reinventing Greatness for You, Your Career and Our World. And our guest on the podcast this week is Shari Goodwin. Now, Shari is an innovative business strategist, executive leadership coach, best-selling author, speaker, former environmental scientist, and horsewoman with over 25 years of experience. Shari owns Jaeger 2, a successful coaching and consulting firm, and is the author of two Amazon bestsellers, Reinventing Greatness and Take the Reins. She specializes in working with leaders in transition and business owners to build trust, gain clarity, and help them meet their big goals. She's a founding member of the board for George Mason University's Women in Business Initiative, serves on the advisory board for the Be the Change Foundation, the steering committee for women in technology's women business owners, holds memberships with several chambers of commerce and is a certified instructor through the Equine Experiential Education Association. A lifelong learner, she's dedicated to empowering human potential, science, technology, engineering, and math, and to the advancement of women in the workforce. So welcome, Shari. Oh, thank you so much, Jane. It's so wonderful to be here today with you. Yeah, I, I am really looking forward to our conversation because we've known each other now for over a decade. Do you, do you realize that? <laughs> I can't even believe it. It's just been wonderful watching you soar over this past 10 years. <laughs> and you too, my friend. And, you. Um, you know, the listeners here, they, they don't know you and they've got a sense of you from your professional bio, but I'd love you to kind of take us behind the scenes and just share a little bit about the human that is Shari, you know, behind that professional bio. Sure. Well, it's um, not very glamorous, first of all. Um, most mornings I spend sitting by my wetland. And as, as you mentioned, as a former environmental scientist, and one of uh, my, probably my biggest drivers in my life is this appreciation for nature. I used to climb trees when I was a little kid. I always had sap on my jeans and dog treats in my pockets. And my mother would always be wondering where the heck I was because that was way before kind of this helicopter parenting. And I've really kind of grown up into um, just an older version of that <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> My gosh. So um, tell us, tell us a little bit about your, your life path. I mean, what's brought you to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, the, the name of the latest book is Reinventing Greatness. And, and thank you for your support with that. <laughs> um, and really, so I think it's been this evolution of trying to get back to who I was when I was nine years old. 
I think there's something about that. I think there's even some psychological studies around um, you know, girls, maybe even prepubescent. There's something about confidence, and we're supposedly more confident then than than we are. Uh, we have to spend like the next several decades regaining that confidence that we had when we were nine. And so I had to look back and say, all right, what was going on when I was nine? When I was nine, I was running around in nature, had a little pack of neighborhood dogs. Um, I, I was a loner pretty much, although I was social. And um, I just was always observing nature, always observing animal, animal behavior and this whole energy dynamic that, that flows, this undercurrent that flows under, under every interaction, even the human interactions, of course, too, but in animals and sitting there uh, watching and, and really studying that. So I kind of became a student of uh, human behavior, animal behavior, and then applied to human behavior, even though I've never really had a psychology course in my life, which is kind of strange. But what the trajectory that followed was, of course, I thought, oh, I'll be a veterinarian because every little kid wants, who loves animals wants to be a vet. So I pursued that for a while, all the way up through um, undergrad, and then realized, you know, I'm not really that great at this science stuff, <laughs> which was really a rude awakening. I was thinking, there's so much myopia there, you know, the detail and all these memorizations of cell structures and all this other stuff. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this for my life. So um, had a little bit of a pivot and broadened it out into environmental science and more of an ecosystem awareness, which was great for me because I'm kind of a systems person as I was starting to see. And ended up, undergrad, ended up with a bachelor's in a double major in zoology and English. And of course, everyone said, what are you gonna be? Like Dr. Doolittle, are you gonna go talk to the animals? What's up with this, <laughs> this is crazy. And, you know, fast forward 30 years plus, and, and here I am having integrated these animals into my, into my work. I've written about them in my books, the horses primarily, but also dogs. And, um, and I'm meditating at a wetland, you know, with birds and these two little feral cats that have become my friends. And this is, this is the underpinnings for, for who I am. Wow. My goodness. You know, and I love the way you talk about yourself as a nine-year-old because it just feels so light and joyful and almost like free. It's like that, you know, that childhood memory that I, I sometimes think of, like the summers, you know, when we broke for school in the summer and then you just thought, God, I'm free all summer. Like, what mm -hmm. am I going to do with this? And so it brings in this almost like whimsical energy as you're talking about it. And I feel that threading into the work that you're doing today. I mean, how have you managed to integrate these, what feels like very different worlds? Hmm. Well, it's uh, it's been very interesting because it's it's uh, it's been a tricky space to navigate. Quite frankly, there were parts of myself that I always had. I kept saying, "Oh, well, that's not what the corporate market wants, and that's not what you're supposed to look like, and that's not just not done." You know, that just doesn't. But then there's this other side of me that tends to be fairly rebellious, and I think you picked up on that freedom. <laughs> That freedom piece from way back, you can ask my mother about that. <laughs> um, freedom is my top value. And right. um, freedom of expression, um, being autonomous, and um, really looking to my own life and saying, well, how, how can I add the most value to the world? I mean, that's really what drives me. And it's driven every decision that I've made in my life. 
from being an environmental scientist and navigating multiple careers over that time to continue to reach a position to say, you know, I know I can add more value here. I'm not really feeling like I'm affecting the environment in a, in a, in the powerful way that I want to. And that really drove me for 20 years. So I spent a, a lot of my career in um, environmental programs and um, supporting the environmental protection agency and dealing with a lot of the uh, political changes and pressures and budget constraints and, and frustrations and also some of the great successes in that field. But I've always felt that there was something else and underlying that there was a question that was always coming up for me was there's more that you need to reach into the animal world. You need to bring this forward. People need this. We've lost touch with some of these fundamental, instinctive, intuitive and um, high impact approaches to being able to communicate and getting things um, forward in the world. So animals have all of these different synergistic ways of working and uh, I started looking back to that and kind of mining through and saying what are some of the best practices that I've found that I could apply and share and do I dare, <laughs> do right. I dare try to put this out there? So that's what started. I think you and I met back in 2009 or so yeah. and at that point I was really just launching into this new space and officially declaring myself as this kind of integrator. I just think I called myself a management consultant, which means nothing really, but it was safe. But, yeah. but anybody who knew me, I would be talking about um, nonverbal communication and the power of energy and intention and then mapping a strategy on top of that undercurrent that we would uh, really be able to catapult your goals and um, get you there a lot faster. Mm. And I love that language because obviously that was why we resonated and jumped together yeah. because at that time, I think I was all about resonant coaching mm -hmm. in that space. And so it was all about the energy. And I, I love that. But I want to take you back to a question that you asked yourself because you just kind of came over it really. And there's two questions you mentioned there. One is how can I add the most value to the world? I love that question. And it seems to me a question that we probably need to ask at different points in our life. It's like we don't just ask it once and then it's done. It's like something that feels to me like a, a what I call a practice question, something mm. that you keep coming back to. And then the other one was, do I dare? Now, I think that that's a question we all get to at some point. There's like something calling to us or something that we have a sense of that we know that we might like to do or that wants to happen through us. But then there's this, the fears come up, don't they? All the things. So, I mean, once you realize like, do I dare? I mean, can you just walk us through a little bit? Like, how did you keep walking forward? Because underneath that, my assumption is, do I dare? There's some fear in there, isn't there? Oh, huge, huge amount of fear. And um, do I dare? And then for me, there is a, I call it a yes, begging for the light. So there's mm -hmm. this yes, that's deep. There's, there's a, there's a yes that if, do I dare say yes? Because I know what that thing is. You might want right. to, you might ignore it for a long time. You might not be able to really uh, allow it to come up so that you can articulate it in a way that you can even see it because you're so afraid of it. You just bury it. The minute, the minute there's an inkling, you just, you just suppress it. So it's almost a subconscious thing. But if you start to open and dare, 
then it starts to bubble up. There's the yes. And it's like, well, what am I saying yes to? Because <laughs> the yes is act like leading before you even know what you're really saying yes to consciously. Subconsciously, you know, but consciously, you don't really know. So it's got this kind of power that it just starts to come out. And then I think the conscious mind has to look at that and say, okay, now where's the container for this? Is there a practical container? How can I how can I put some structure to this so that it, it can um, it can benefit others? You know, what would that look like? What could that look like? And so for me, walking you walking others through this process is start where you are. So for me, it was okay, I had some pretty good success in business in the past. That's very safe. People get that. They understand that. So let's start with that. So I started uh, creating some type of reputation. I had non-zero in this space, in the small business space, for sure. I had never been to a Chamber of Commerce meeting in my life ever. Right. <laughs> Went to my first one in 2009. I was like, wow, what do these people do all day? You know, they don't, they don't have to. Anyway, a whole other thing. So, so I wrote articles for the local paper and just for free, you know, just on, on business tips. And then I would fold in some little observation I or uh, a teaching that I had from the horses and um, and that made people say whoa what's going on there something different you know but it wasn't too different because there were some really tangible business tips in there or leadership tips wasn't too too terribly different but I'd take them so it was this educational marketing in a little bit little bit and what it was really about was me gaining confidence in the space Right. and testing testing and just seeing what the response was and getting some validation and then knowing my truth is here but my readiness wasn't wasn't really with that it was lagging so i had to kind right. of build that up yeah and that's a great insight you know when you say the truth is here but my readiness is kind of lacking it's falling behind i think that's a great insight to have because often you know when we, when we do feel that, we just think, oh, I, ca I can't, like, I can't do that. <laughs> and I hear it with my clients all the time. And it's like, okay, we just need, you just need to stay at that edge point. Just stay at that threshold. Just stay with the, whatever comes up, but just stay in relationship with the question. Don't jump too quickly to an answer because it's not going to be the answer you want. So just stay in relationship with it. So I love that you're speaking to that. Because that's such a great insight as far as I can see. <clears throat> so, of course, I've got to ask you the question now. This is your, a little bit of your own medicine, <laughs> which is, you know, if you ask yourself today the question, how can I add the most value to the world? Like, what bubbles up? Yeah, wow. And really, it depends on the day. These days, things are changing so dramatically. Every day, right. there's something new that we can choose to respond to or uh, not respond to, but they're affecting us always, no matter what. So for me, yeah, how can I add the most value or am I adding the most value? I would say, I don't know that you're ever, at, you're never done. So I always have more value to add, more things to learn, more um, people to support more. So what I'm, what I'm doing right now is trying to, to support my clients to the best of my ability to keep them focused on their own greatness, on their own spheres of influence, which are pretty massive, and not allowing fear to erode and um, stop their own dreams and goals, or even start to contract their own spheres of influence because of environmental stresses or perceived threats from wherever, you name, you name it. And um, 
that's been a that's been kind of a full time job is you know really really making sure that what we're fo- can can we be safe can we feel safe in this environment right now because there has to be some sense of safety enough confidence and enough trust to be able to then take action towards a better future. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <clears throat> that's very similar. Um, that really resonates for me because that's. Um, similar to what's been happening with my client base too. And it's been interesting because I had a conversation. I'd love to hear what you make of this. I had a conversation um, late last week um, with a C-level client <clears throat> and um, he, he was kind of talking to the contraction and the fear. He was obviously in a lot of stress. He was facing some really, really like career changing decisions in a way because it was about layoffs and very, very difficult decisions and under a lot of pressure and um and i was feeling like you know <clears throat> he, he was showing up very differently to his um coaching calls and he was speaking very fast he was obviously under a lot of stress and trauma and i was just trying to instead of forwarding the agenda like i often do that like the development plan for the coaching i've noticed i'm just letting those things go right now because it's about kind of reconnecting people back to a deeper space inside it's it's getting them to understand where they are how they're dealing with the trauma that's in the environment right now and just like you say you know can they feel safe in this environment because as a leader if you don't feel safe then nobody else does either and he actually said to me something really interesting he said because we've been working a lot on authenticity and he said to me actually, I don't feel I can be authentic in this space. And so we got into it and we we're talking. And it was really interesting to make the distinction of being authentic or showing all of your emotions just running wild on the inside <laughs> to everybody you like just happens to drop by your office, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a really interesting discussion because I'd never really thought about it in this way. And he and we were saying, well, it's probably not a good idea for you to share your emotions now. And he's like, I, that's why I need you, my coach. You're the space. You're my safe space where I can say everything. I can break down. I can share my fears. I can share everything. But out there, I noticed that, you know, even if I'm not speaking in a meeting, people think there's something wrong. It's like they're hypersensitive to the fact that, oh, there's something wrong with the CEO. Like we, you know, therefore there must be some bad news coming or we're going to, we're going to be under the ax or, you know, there's something dreadful. And he said, he said, and I've realized now I've got to show this state of calm. I've got to show that I'm grounded even when I don't feel like I'm not. And he said, and and they can't tolerate any signal that would be to the contrary. So what do you make of that, Shari? Because I'd love your input on that, given that you, you know, you work in what feels to me a very natural space with the animals. They don't have their brains complicating life. (laughs) Unless there's a cow in the picture and then it's a huge complication. other story but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that so well first of all first of all kudos to you i mean you clearly developed the trust and relationship with this client where you know he sees you and he treasures you as his safe place so i mean what a wonderful sacred space you are for him so that is just so beautiful um as far as the, the co- this concept of authenticity it, it 
Yeah, it's so misused. And, and it's a term I don't even use that much anymore. I used to in my initial time, oh, you have to be authentic, you have to be an authentic leader and all yeah, okay. You can be authentically miserable as well. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm not quite sure that that's the right term. I, uh, sincere, I don't know. But the, the question for me is, is as a leader, you know, what it, what is what do they need from me right now the other whether it's one person whether it's the group whether it's the company what's needed from me how can i show up right now for for these folks and also be true to myself you know i don't need to be a fake self but i don't need to reveal every single uh, scary thought that i'm dealing with right now right but i can i can be honest and uh share my truth and be calm and grounded because I know for sure that it, there are infinite possibilities for our experience at every single moment. And we can choose calm and grounded regardless of external yeah. influence. It's always available to us. And when you know that and you can feel into, into that space and say, what is true now? What is true right now? Right now, you know, that guy, he has a job, he's employed, you know, he's able to hire a coach, so that's a good sign. You know, there's certain things that are true for him. So getting to those, those anchor emotions of safety and being in that, um, that place where, you know, assuring, reassuring the amygdala and the limbic part of the brain that, okay, you, there is a threat and you're okay. So it's mm -hmm. kind of this both and, and, I can navigate this step by step. My future may not be super clear, but I do know the next step. And the next step can be this. And then the next step after that can be this other thing. So you can work your way out of that and, and lead through change, baby step by baby step and building, build trust and confidence. Because as you said, as he said, the, the folks are very fragile right now. The emotions are very mm. volatile and we're very, very prone to trigger. So we have to be mindful of that and, and be, uh, it's like when I work with a, a horse that's skittish, you, their fear can make, can trigger you to overreact or underreact. And what they're really looking for from you is consistent presence. I am here for you. Sometimes they can't even see you, but they can feel you. Sometimes they won't acknowledge you, but you're still there. And you keep showing up from that place and you don't push on it. Um, and eventually they take the breath. They say, and they'll look at you and all of a sudden they see you. And it's like, oh, thank gosh. Okay. Yeah. Now the path is clear. Yeah. I love the way you speak to that consistent presence. Like I am here for you because in some ways, you know, one of the things that I feel in this space now with my clients is I'm just showing up with unconditional love. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to describe it, but it is that consistent presence. I'm here for you. I've got your back, no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on around you, no matter what your horrible next step might be, because for some of my clients, they are having to lay off like a third of their workforce. That's hundreds of thousands of people in some cases, right? And that is just like not in their DNA. They don't want to do it, right? But it's needed for the survival of the organization, right? So that, that's what I mean by the, the, the career-changing decisions that some people are facing right now. 
which is causing trauma. And then, you know, and then I say all that and I'm with them in that space. And then I come out into the world and realize that nobody's in an intensive care unit, right? In, in this space with this client, like nobody's going to die. And then I get this other side of it, like, which is like, I don't want to trivialize the trauma that, you know, these, these senior managers are going through, but at the end of the day, we, we've got to get perspective. We've got to come out and go, yeah. And you know, I'm not, I've not got a sword in my hand. I don't have to go out and kill everybody. It's just that this is perhaps not what I would have wanted as an outcome for these people. So for me, this, I'd go further than the presence and just say, and I know it's not welcome in many organizations, but thankfully in, in a number of my client organizations, they get it when I say to them, you just got to respond with compassion and understanding and love. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. 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 And that, I, that's exactly right. I, amen to that. You know, and, and the, the love word is, is, can be very weird in corporate America. It's still not fully embraced. It's, it's come a long way, even in the past 10 years that I've been kind of working in the space. Um, but that's really at the heart of it. And, and my euphemism for love is confidence and trust, because that seems to be more universally accepted. And then if they're really open, once they start opening, we'll drop into the love area. Yes, yes. <laughs> because yeah. that's really what it is. And I know, you know you've worked with heart math stuff and, yeah. and the vibration and the energy. You're the queen of the resonance over there. But you drew me right in. And here we are 10 years later having a conversation. I'm still drawn to your light. You've got this <laughs> resonance. So, so it's... um. That's the contagion that I that I want to spread is yeah. is building this concept of herd immunity, not in the con, in the context of what's been presented on the on the news, but building it from a place of positivity and confidence and love and trust and groundedness, which mm -hmm. is really getting back to the to the depth of humanity. You know what makes us, what connects us as humans, and get going all the way back to the the root space because i think we've lost some sight of that in some places and there's just so much tribalism happening right now so much divisiveness happening right now pick your cause you know whatever it is that um it, it's caused so much rift that we've almost forgotten uh what what uh, unites all of us that shared value and vision everyone wants a bright future everyone wants healthy kids <laughs> you know everyone wants to feel prosperous and, and joyful and i i believe that's possible yeah yeah. And I love your title, you know, reinventing greatness. And I'd love to know what that means to you. Well, that's a big question. I have no idea. <laughs> no. I gave a lot of thought to this when I, when I wrote the book, because I talk about your greatness and it's so funny to me, it's just a word that I use and it means, um, I guess in the in the sense of kind of corporate speak would be optimizing your potential and your high performer and, and fulfilling your potential, all this kind of stuff. That's actually way bigger than that. What it is, is being true to yourself and being able to offer yourself from that place of truth in your full spirit of using all of your, your strengths, you know, whatever strength finders tells you they are and, and others and what you know to be true. Um, and walking forward, embodying your truth and sharing your, your unique gifts, your unique voice with the world. And that's really what it is. It's walking forward, embodying those in, in, in any space you're in. I don't care. You don't need to be, it has nothing to do with hierarchy, has nothing to do with earnings, nothing. It's just really being very, very true to yourself in your way, which I think is a, a Reiki concept. And, um, and offering your, yourself from that place of service to the world. 
Mm. Yeah. And I think in some ways you might just have answered what my next question was that was bubbling as you were speaking, because, you know, I, I, I love what you speak to here in greatness, but you've got that word before it reinventing which almost has an assumption that the way we define greatness before wasn't that great. <laughs> well, so that, yeah, interesting. So it's a dynamic process, right? It's a dynamic process. It's always, it, it allows that growth. It's like, uh, was it Carol Zwick, the growth mindset? So yeah. we always want to, we always want to be able to be open to the new. So the truth is that every single moment we're reinventing. I'm not the, by the end of this phone call, I'm not even going to be the same person I was at the be, from the beginning because mm -hmm. I will have grown from this conversation with you. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly reinventing and there's an opportunity always to say, okay, what else can I bring to the table? And what, uh, where else can I be of service? How can I serve? And it's not to, not, not to say what you're doing or being is not enough because that's a, that's a different space, right? There's a whole, whole bunch of folks who struggle with the I'm not good enough syndrome and I have too. Um, but it's, it's really about growth and embracing opportunity and seeing the creative opportunities to be able to move into new spaces with different people and to see the, the power of the collaborative and the power of unity around a common vision and what can happen when you have alignment around something like that. So I guess it's uh, really around um, being able to always create in the moment something even better. Mm. Yes. And I'd love to know what do the animals bring to this conversation? Because, you know, that's something that's very unique to you. And I'm, I suspect they must be helpful in some way or else they wouldn't be part of your work. So what do they bring? Yeah, they're hugely helpful. They're really, um, they reflect your truth and they reflect their own truth because they can't lie. There's no falseness to a horse. It, it, just, it just does what it does. And it gives you honest feedback on, on its state of mind and on your level of clarity and your level of calm. And you can be calm and they can be still freaking out. So they have their own stuff. So it's not a, you know, when people talk about they're reflecting or mirroring, yeah, and they also have their own stuff. So you can influence, but they're not going to take their influence if, if they don't trust you, if they're not feeling something from you that they can take and feel and see. So what happens is they give you an opportunity when, when I work with them. And you know, I've been a competitive rider and a rider for, for many, many, many years. But the work that I'm focusing in on most right now has nothing to do with riding. You can apply it to riding, which I do all the time. But the, the work is off lead. So the horse is free. It can travel around the arena wherever it wants to go. And you go in there with it. Or maybe there's a group in there. And um, it becomes around, uh, what can we do together? What can we do together? So how do you get a 1,200-pound or 1,000-pound animal to uh, get buy-in on what you want to do together without a lead rope, without touching it. This is all just an energy dynamic, energy, intention, being clear on your vision. And what happens is when everyone gets into this calm, grounded energy with a clear vision of what they want to have happen, 
they can all walk together around an obstacle course. Um, they can fall in step with each other. They can stop at certain places and move forward. It's, it's just this beautiful, synchronized oneness that unfolds. And then you can take that and say, wow, that was pretty unique. And it's something you can do back at work or back at home. You can bring these concepts. How did that feel? What was required of me in that moment? What shifts needed to, did I need to make in that moment in order to be in full alignment with this being that I just met that doesn't speak English or have verbal cues that I would even understand? So that's the power there because it takes you completely outside of what your your normal work life would would look like or your your home life and yet the the just the pure simplicity of a relationship it's broken down to its most basic essential components and you're able to see them so clearly and you see so clearly where you may have gaps or where you may have made big assumptions or where you have a limiting belief anything like that um, and it gives you an opportunity to let go of it right there in real time and adopt a different approach, try something new and get a new outcome right there in that moment. Wow. I mean, as you're going through that, I'm just like in this space of, uh, wow, instant feedback for people. Cause I, I was just imagining like you were saying like the horse is free and you know in in the arena and then the group comes in and i was just imagining like there's so that there's a group that um with a particularly bad ceo that i know right now i'm not actually working with them but i know them and i was just imagining this group going in there and just imagining the ceo shouting over to the horse <laughs> like you know car over here like we've got a meeting kind of thing and getting all like authoritative and commanding and you can just imagine how straight away i mean this instant feedback for them like they can yeah. see it's not going to work do you get yeah, that do you get that stark like yeah. realization for people yeah i do and it's and, and that's where you have to have some pretty good facilitation techniques <laughs> yeah i was gonna say <laughs> because everyone else sees it too so yeah. um you know i i am real real careful with that i've gotten much better than i used to be because i used to be a lot more direct and blatant and people would cry all the time <laughs> so, <laughs> okay now, crying is good it's cathartic and that's all fine but sometimes we don't you know we don't need to go to that level and with especially with some of these teams and be a little more right. sensitive and it doesn't need to be that because all it means it's just feedback it's just objective nobody needs to get um personal or emotional right. around it it's just, okay, if you do that and the horse is you know, looking out the window, no, it doesn't want anything to do with you. It's choosing to look out the window at a squirrel and you're completely dissed, completely dissed in front of your whole team. And how come? Well, you know, this is, if your whole team had a choice to go look at a squirrel out the window, that's what they would way prefer do than to listen to you. <laughs> oh my God. Hats off to you, Shari, because I'm just like the bravery, the courage that you must have to show sometimes when this happens, like to continue and just be with and facilitate because they must like, I can just imagine this guy now that I've got in my head, he, he would go to, so internally he would go to shame, right? Because mm -hmm. he's in a very vulnerable spot in front of his team and that would trigger him and he'd get angry like real fast. Yeah. 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 And so the thing, so the, the other piece of this is I'm hyper protective of my herd. Right. So, uh, I, I, interview folks before they come. Oh, okay. I don't even, I don't even 
work with certain groups that I don't think are going to be a big, a good fit. So, yeah. you know, in the old days I used to, Oh yeah, it's so great to take anybody cause I need money. This, that, the other fine. Yeah. Great. I don't, I don't do that anymore. And really the ones who they self select in, yes. so no one's going to come to me and work with me. No one's going to show up here who has not extended some trust to me right. and, um, and who I have not vetted around vulnerability <clears throat> around openness around their own objectives and what they're willing to release as part of this process. And I'm also super careful. I don't want anybody feeling humiliated or I'm not out to do that. So I won't even, you know, just let certain things go. We use a lot of humor, a lot of humor. Yeah. Um, That's a a very, uh, because I've been there too. I've been dissed by my own horses. I mean, you know, come on. So it just means that in that moment you weren't effective. Doesn't mean you're not effective anywhere else in your life ever. And you're a bad person or a lousy leader. It just means in that moment you weren't so much, you know, so let's get another opportunity and we'll do it again. (laughs) And I get that with my dogs. Like I've got one dog in particular that will just turn it, turn his back on me completely when he's upset with me for some reason. He'll just completely, won't talk to me. I'll shout him. He'll just ignore me. He'll actually sit up. So he'll be lying down. I'll call him. He'll sit up, turn his back to me and lie back down. (laughs) And it's like, okay, yeah. So I'd love to dig in a little bit too. Like what are the insights you've seen people get in the arena? Oh, there's so many. So uh, we'll go with this kind of... um, strongly assertive leader who you know thought he would bring his team out and oh they're going to have this you know really interesting experience and and he um immediately went into his default way of leading and um it had exactly the result that it had in the uh, in the arena was the same exact as, as normal and the group his team sat him down we just let that go we did a debrief and they said do you realize what just happened and they gave him that feedback and he owned it mm-hmm. and he changed as a result of that. He just took over. So he just, you know, he took over, he ran the whole thing, he took charge. And, um, and it was, it was amazing because you could see him being resistant to the feedback, but the feedback was so kind and so gentle, but for, and also very direct. And um, he accepted it and he took it and then he was able to laugh about it. So we have multiple horses. So then later in the day, he, you could see his own evolution throughout the course of that day, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And then there's other things where I'll give you another example of just a one-on-one with the CEO who came in and uh, the horse at that point, the horse was in the arena kind of sniffing around and, and then we, he and I walked in and the horse went over to the window and again, the window squirrels are fascinating. So, <laughs> so she's, she's out there looking at the window and he's walking around, he's trying to you know, get her attention and this and that. And, oh, he talk about shame. And he was dealing with the whole thing of shame. He had this whole story going on in his head about you know, whatever. And it was a whole pattern that was repeating. And here it is again, humiliated. And finally, so we said, well, what are you assuming? And you know, on and on with that. What else could it be? What else could it be? What else could it be? And he finally got to this place. He's like, she's just really interested in that bird out there. And this has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Right. That was the truth. It wasn't anything about him. Right. She was just interested in this other thing right then. And you know what happened? As soon as he had that epiphany, she breathed and turned around and faced him. Oh my gosh, I've got goosebumps. I know. (laughs) Total validation. She's like, yeah, dude, it's not about you. I'm good now. I was just checking out that cardinal. 
Oh my gosh. That thought alone is so incredibly liberating because, you know, we all go through life, don't we? And I can feel it. There's something moving inside of me as I hear that because it's like, you know, I go, I go, so I'll speak for myself. I go through life thinking that everybody's looking at everything that I do, especially on social media and channels mm-hmm. and like, and I can get myself all like wound up with, oh, like, you know, oh, I didn't get a lot of likes on that post. Perhaps they didn't really like it. And I really shared my soul there and, uh, and, and that kind of conversation, and to be fair, it's a little bit in the background for me now, but it's still alive. There's a piece of it alive. And, and I think, and I know in my head, they're not, right? Cognitively, I know it. But in my body, there's still a little contraction that can happen. I can still get triggered. I can still, and, and in this space that I'm in, especially with Sacred Changemakers now, I probably get, well, I do get a lot more positive, but it's like I can get like 100 positive messages and three critical things that can be really horrible and mean. And where do I focus? Of course, it's on the three, right? Really horrible, mean things, because I want to make that right. right. And just realizing they've just got their own value set. They've just got their own thing going. Just let them be them and you be you. You know, I'll be me, you be you. That's good. Exactly. I mean, it's I so freeing. It. It's so yeah. freeing to be able to release that and and to really focus on the good, you know, and also yeah. knowing there's that there's that leap of faith too that you're know, just, and I have to tell myself as well, because uh, I can get that, uh, what do they call that um, social media thing where uh, comparison anxiety, oh, comparison yeah, despair, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever that thing is, <laughs> you know, that awful thing. So just stop looking at it. So the thing is, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you show up, that you show up authentically. That's your job. That's my job. And I'm talking to myself here as I'm saying that. Yeah. Show up from a place of service and love and trust and put it out there. That's my job. Whether or not people are looking at it and, and appreciating it, and that's yeah. that's a whole different thing, right? Yeah. That's a marketing thing, a positioning thing. That's a whole other thing. But it doesn't affect the quality of the work or my truth or my value to the world. It's different. Yeah. And what the horses teach us is that they they focus on one thing at a time, and when they're done with whatever is uh, the they don't have competing focus necessarily unless it's you and they're kind of checked out doing something else and you're trying to get their attention and you're not worth their attention yet because there's a higher value, something like a cow with lemon squeezy, right. my ex resource. He's terrified of cows. So anytime there's cows around, he doesn't even see me. Doesn't even see right. me. I can make that all about me and, and I'm a terrible leader and this and that. The truth is that I have not become his safe place fully yet. I am in some situations, I am absolutely his most trusted, safe place ever. And he comes to me, he seeks me, he finds me. And it's not everywhere. It's situational. That's okay. That's where we are. That's honest feedback. Yeah. I love it. And there's something else emerging for me in this conversation. And it's not fully formed. So I'm just going to put it out there and see what we make of it. Um, So our title is Reinventing Greatness. And what's coming to me in this space is how collaborative you are in your work with the animals, right? With the energies, right? You're, you're, you're very collaborative. You're not just Shari doing her thing. You're actually, you've opened your work to allow these other influences in. So I'm wondering about reinventing greatness. And I'm wondering, as I'm listening to you and the connections between you and the animals and the work and the team in the arena and all these different things, I'm wondering if we can ever be truly great 
if we completely isolate and think it's just me on my own. It's my responsibility for me to be great. And we don't connect in at other levels with, I don't know, in relationship with, in connections with. And I just wondered what you make of that. <laughs> That's such an interesting, it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's a really huge question yeah. that we can on for a long, long time. But the thing that comes up for me is the, the ecosystem. Yeah. And that you may believe that you're working, you're in isolation and you're doing one thing. But the truth is that whoever you're being and whatever you're doing is influencing whoever happens to be around you, even if you're not intentionally, deliberately working with them. Yeah. Right. So that's a mistake that I've 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 made some assumptions around that at times. And I'll share how that how that appears out here at the farm. So I have horses in different pastures and they can all see each other and I'll go out to go get one and I'll go work with that one. So I go out to get the one, I bring the one out and all the other ones start screaming or one or two of the other ones will start screaming. What's going on? What's going on? Right. So I'm trying to work with the one horse and we're trying to ride or do some very agenda oriented thing, you know, not, not this whole wonderful metamorphosis of transformation with a client, but just me and that horse doing something together. I'm like, okay, we're going to work on our trot or something. That's very traditional. Yeah. And what's really happening there is all of these other parties are being hugely affected right. and they're playing a huge role in my own experience with this but I can choose not to see them or to see them, but the truth is they are all playing a role. So what I've, what I've discovered is that I need to, my safe place, what, what I'm considering in my agenda of taking that one horse, that one horse is in relationship with all of these other horses and in relationship with its environment of grass and, and routine and all of this other stuff. And I'm just one little blip. And if I pull it out and without, without regard for the rest of the environment, even though I'm not working with any of those other horses, uh, it can be bad for me. So I need to address these other entities. And when I do, there's peace. Wow. You see, again, that's just like that to me, there's something in my body that recognizes that, knows that. And it's like, of course, <laughs> it's like this aha moment. That's like, yeah, I know this. And now I I get it at a deeper, it's like my body's just sinking in and resting in that space with you. And it's just so, what I can't get is it's so deep and yet it's so obvious. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it is. It's so weird. And it's daily and, and my, you know, it's, it's all about noticing and you're so good yeah. at nuance and yeah. noticing. What are you noticing? What are you thinking? How else can we think about it? So it's a wonderful space for a coach to be in because yeah. there's just constant inquiry. <laughs> Right. And, and, um, and any layer you want to go to and, and any story you want to make up is completely fair game. Uh, it may suit, it may not suit. You may need a new story, rewrite the story. And, um, and it's an ongoing story. It's a never ending story. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel called to ask you this question. Um, and I'm using that language very intentionally. One of the things we talk about at Sacred Changemakers is our, is, is like listening to, like sacred callings in your life. Um, and we don't say that there's just one, you know, there's, there's a number that will come and how you respond and relate to that calling kind of defines you in a way and your life as you move forward. And I, 
I just want to ask you, you know, like right now in this moment, Shari, in this, well, what is still a global pause really with the COVID going on as we're recording this. And we've, we're also in the, the riots around Black Lives Matter right now as well. That's going on in major cities around the world. There's a lot of disruptive energy out there in the environment. And I just wonder in this time, like if I'm to ask you now, if you were to give voice to a calling, like something that's calling to you, what might it be? So giving voice to a calling, I think there's always an opportunity to go deeper. Yeah. There's always an opportunity for reflection, you know, starting at the individual level, who, how am I showing up? Who am I being? You know, who am I in this, in this evolving world right now? Mm. And what about my community? What does this say about my community? And how do I want to be in community? How do I want to be in relationship with other people? What are the larger forces at work here? And I think this is a huge opportunity for almost like a global cleanse, you know, out with some of the old, and it's, it's painful. I mean, this is a, sometimes change and transformation is um, uh, physically very, very disruptive. And I think that's what part of what we're seeing right now. And I have to believe is to be able to say, what is opening right now? Where is that light and where is that vibration of absolute possibility and truth that I can say yes to and I can mobilize toward with, a, with others? You know, so it's, again, as you were saying, it's not, it's not the me, mine, I kind of thing at this point. It's really more of this collective. And we're being, I believe that we're all being asked that question around how do we move forward as a human species? You know, what does that look like with all of these technological advances, with all of these other things we have going on? And it's almost a, like a revolution of sorts or a revolution or evolution. It's probably both. I don't really know. I don't know what the answer is, but I feel that uh, there is a, a, and it's interesting that you and I are even having this conversation today because what I felt in the past couple of years, even before this, is there's this kind of, I call it kind of the goddess collective, but it doesn't, it's not, it encompasses way more than women and goddesses and all that kind of stuff. Right. But it's just people who are kind of on the, on the pioneering edge who are doing all this transformative kind of work coming together. And so when I saw your sacred change makers, I was like, Oh, that's her answer. There she is. I'm in. Because <laughs> you formalized it, you've made the container for it. So now that makes it easier for some of us to, to uh, move together. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, really. And I was so honored that you, you came into our community because it's people like you that are doing the meaningful work. And I think that step by step, we really can make a difference. I really do. So what are you most passionate about right now? What are you most excited about in your, in your business and your life? I think for my, for my business, I'm always straddling this, this side of uh, kind of what, what do the animals want to share next? You know, how, how can I, how can I, how would you say, allow them to share their unique greatness in a bigger way without having, I don't, I'm really don't enjoy having lots of groups here. That's not my intention. It's never been. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to use some of the technology that's available now, and I've been doing some different things 
I did a series of workshops last year where it was just me and a horse and people came in observation. And with that, I can have a lot of people because they're not working with the horse. Mm-hmm. And then we can videotape and, and, um, and share teachings and debriefs. And there's a huge amount of value in that. So that's, that's been kind of interesting. Plus collaborating with other leaders. That's very interesting. I've had a couple of things so far that have been fun. Um, building out some of the virtual programs, but I'm not, quite frankly, I'm not a huge fan of virtual. I get the power and everything, but uh, I'm not as um, drawn to the virtual programs as I am to the live interactions. Mm. Yeah. And it seems to me that everything you've talked about today, like you seem to be at your best when you're in dialogue with. Yes. Right. And, and, and it seems like, you know, that being in the present moment, responding intentionally in the moment, you know, that seems to be what's very alive for you. And I think like, you know, a lot of virtual programs, and again, you know, I've got some and they're great. And there's, there's, there's something missing from the energy sometimes, like the aliveness, let's put it that way, the Mm -hmm. moment to moment, which is where, I mean, a lot of the industry is now realizing that just sticking something up online isn't that effective. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it is about how do we really get into dialogue around the things that matter most. And I think you're doing that incredibly effectively in your oh, world. Thank so you. Thank I really you. I do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's always a challenge. And the virtual is, is so important. You can reach so many people. And I've invested yeah. in many programs myself. I have one on reinventing greatness that I'm very happy with. Um, and there's, uh, so that's fine for folks who, who want to get a taste of that and not at a hugely high investment point or anything. And the truth is that when you're, when you're in, when you're live and you're having to make these real time decisions and engage and, and share observations moment to moment there, I don't think there's really any substitute for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I do. Because your whole body is in the conversation then. You yes. See? like the whole of you, your whole energy field, and you're picking up the energies as well. So yeah, I don't think there's anything, but I I do believe we can do some of it virtually. Um, Although obviously with horses, it could be a little more challenging. (laughs) They don't sit well behind a desktop computer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's true. And I I have a GoPro. I'm starting to play with that. I can take it out to the the arena and do stuff in real time, except that we don't have internet at the barn yet we have internet at the house right. but you know there's these logistical challenges but um right. but so i think it's like anything else the the growth is there the opportunity is there it's it's just a little bit of managing around the how and um and also really be paying attention to the my own passion you know where where am i feeling drawn where do i want to invest time and energy and um, one of my challenges is that once I've done something, I really don't want to go back and do it again. I'm, I'm ready for yeah. something new. And that's a real problem for an entrepreneur because you right. really need to leverage content. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so I want, I want to ask you, like, we're in this place now, which feels like a threshold of change for me as, uh, as a species, really. I think it's soul making times and soul defining times right now. And I just wonder, you know, when you look to the future, like, what are you hopeful coming out of these times? I actually think we have a really bright future ahead. And I, uh, I, I just really feel that in my, in my heart, in my soul, in my gut. It, we're just being presented with some challenges right now. And we need to find 
we can't reach back to the old patterns and the old ways that that seem to work, which was kind of domination and threat and um, the bigger voice wins and some of that. There's there's um, a deeper a deeper connection that's being asked of us, and that can be a very scary place. We're not familiar in in the the emotional space from a societal level at the societal level we've been doing better at the individual level but bringing that out to the level of of a country or even a community that's foreign territory and building shared values and a shared vision and then rallying forces around that as we all do as you know, business leaders all understand how to how to form a vision and shared values and move forward um, but the public sector, not, not always so much. And I think it's time for us to really spend some effort there and learn more about that so that we can move forward safely together. Mm. Yes. So finally, Shari, if there was something you hoped we'd get to talk about today, something you want to share with our listeners, what might it be? I would say, you know, listen for that, listen for that yes, listen for that thing that's deep inside of yourself and um, allow it to start emerge and emerging and allow it to come out, allow it to have a voice and get in dialogue with it. Find out what it wants, find out what its vision is. And um, don't be afraid to begin to say yes. You don't have to wholeheartedly embrace it. You can start little by little with very low risk, very low risk. (laughs) Because I know, I know for sure that all it takes is a little bit of momentum. And then all of a sudden, beautiful things can start to emerge for you. And all of a sudden, serendipitously, seemingly, but not, you will find other people who will be like, hey, you know, I heard your name, or I saw you, or so-and-so introduces you. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, that's a great idea. I would love that, whatever it is, or they have a job opening, you know, never assume that you can't have what you've always dreamed for. Oh, yes. So profound. Uh, Shari, thank you so much. My gosh. Oh my gosh, James. It's been such a pleasure (laughs) to be here with you today. Thank you so much. I'm so honored. Oh, thank you, my friend, really. And just an insightful conversation. So I know our listeners are just going to love everything that you shared with us today. So thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, guys, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening in. But before we go, let me ask you, are you passionate about change? Are you listening for the yes that lies deep inside you? Are you looking for maybe a little bit more meaning and purpose in your life? If so, we want to invite you to visit us at sacredchangemakers.com where you can sign up for our five-day program, Awakening the Changemaker Within, free to all podcast listeners. And just use this to come home to yourself at your very core. We believe that within each of us lies the possibility to unleash the full realization of human potential. Change can be a regenerative force for good. And all change begins within as a personal transformation, which can then be expressed within our professional lives and ultimately creates a regenerative social impact in our world. Again, you can find our free program at sacredchangemakers.com. Our growing network of Sacred Changemakers are our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. So if our episode resonated with you today, we hope you'll consider joining us. And for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for the work that you do to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.